0: Hi, welcome to Rebuilders. My name is Liddy and in this episode Mark is chatting with Alan Emerson and Andrew Masters, both from Northern Ireland. Alan is the Irish National Director of 24-7 Prayer and Lead Pastor at Emmanuel Church and Andrew Masters is Senior Pastor at Lagan Valley Vineyard Church. And these guys come from an interesting context. They have lived and led through the troubles in Northern Ireland and it gives them a unique perspective on what leading through crisis actually looks like. So I'm going to hand over to Mark to have a chat with Alan and Andrew. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to Rebuilders. Um, It's fantastic to have you as we examine what it is to lead the church uh, through the COVID-19 pandemic, um, and also to hope and push into renewal. We actually have two guests with us today. And whilst we're separated uh, in the sense that we can't fly across the world through the miracle of technology, we can connect with people from around the world. So I have uh, two friends, joining me both from Northern Ireland. They're both in Northern Ireland, but not together. They're in quarantine. Hmm. Um, And we have Andy Masters from Lagan Valley Vineyard and Alan Emerson, who is a pastor at uh, Emmanuel Church in Lurgan. Hmm. And uh, first of all, uh, just what's the situation with COVID-19 in Northern Ireland at this current time?
2: Hey, Mark, Um, it's good to be with you and uh, to be with Andy with you as well. Um, we are like the rest of the world, I suppose. About uh, four, four or five weeks in, into this now, and uh, effectively in lockdown from like uh, is it week three, maybe now, Andy, or something like that. So uh, we are, um, yeah, yeah, we're, we're just, just we're, floor, yeah, yeah. So we're just um, trying to re- re- like for, at a personal level, you know, we're just all trying to re- readjust, homeschool, new rhythms and home and church life and how we how we do things um we probably have been uh, slightly sheltered from the big numbers if you like of of fatalities um, um but that's just slowly but surely it was increasing a little bit over the last week but um um yeah everybody's kind of just trying to do what they can to follow the guidelines and stay safe and all the all, all the things that we're hearing we're just trying to adhere to mm.
1: we um were having a conversation uh after one of our podcasts recently we actually sort of just record for a long period and we started talking about i guess crisis and how crisis leads to renewal and i started sharing with um liddy who's um you know, often my co-host is off today. We just started sharing some of the stories of um, what was uh, I'd learnt being in Northern Ireland. So that's part of my idea for getting you guys on today. But I wanted to set that up in this particular way. Um, uh, a few months ago, uh, Trudy, my wife, and I were watching a uh, uh, YouTube uh, video uh, by the Rent Collective, who are out of Bangor in Northern Ireland. I think they've relocated to Nashville. Um they've left behind God's country um, mm-hmm. to go across the sea, as That's many right. Irish people have done. <laughs> and um, and uh, their, their particular song, um, Revival Anthem, came on, which is this sort of anthemic call to renewal and revival. A lot of the stuff that I feel that like God's been saying at this moment was captured in that song. In that particular music video, there was a whole bunch of imagery um, that both um, Trudy and I knew from Northern Ireland. Trudy, my wife's parents, both migrated to Australia from Belfast. Um, and when I saw that particular music video, which is calling for a renewal, for me it meant something more coming from Northern Ireland. One of the things that I've learned about renewal is that crisis precedes uh, uh, renewal, And if that was a clip coming out of Sydney or if it was coming out of Chicago or even perhaps coming out of Birmingham in the UK, um, it would have a different feel than if it was actually coming out of Northern Ireland. Um, And I think for me, I thought it'd be brilliant to talk to you guys, because what's different about Northern Ireland is that while the rest of the world, in particular the West, has entered into this crisis, uh, the church in Northern Ireland has faced the crisis and the culture in Northern Ireland has faced the crisis for numbers of years. So in a sense, when I see something in that video where there's a fervency and a hunger for God to move in that crisis moment, I'd love you guys just to speak to that reality and what that means to be asking for renewal in a place like Northern Ireland. Whoever can jump, I'll I'll, I'll throw it to you, Andy.
3: Wow. Yeah, I I think um, it's it's a really interesting, uh, like Alan said, I feel like um, we we live in a fair degree of crises n- normally. I mean, um, we haven't had a functional government for the last uh, three years. Al, uh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Three, mm-hmm. four, three years. Um, you know, so so we, we broke all the records for Western democracies to not have a functional functional government for the last three years. We just uh, actually, l- literally, thank God, um, got our government back up and running in in January there, just before. Um, all, all of this happened. Um, mm. Do you know, Mark, I, I feel like one of our big challenges is, um, and I, I do really agree with you, um, that um, crises precedes renewal and revival. Um, one of the things that I feel like we're trying to discern and navigate is what do you do with a culture that's lived in some degree of crisis for decades, where mm. when when you look at some other places, a crisis comes, everything shakes, And then culture responds and changes what do we need to do differently moving forward. Mm -hmm. We have a totally different dynamic here where um, dysfunction and crises in some degree in our culture is really, really normal. And Mm -hmm. so um, one of the things I I feel like um, leading a church here, I'm I'm just trying to help people navigate, is this idea that... um, Perhaps more than any other time in my life, I I sense the Holy Spirit leading us into an awakening, even just of ourselves. I mean, just really personally, my wife and I are praying together more than we ever have in our 11 mm. years marriage. You know, um, but I, I guess the challenge that I'm I'm seeing in in our church is how how do I how do we help lead people into what the Lord is doing at the minute in us because there is familiarity not with this moment goodness me like this is not familiar at all but there is a cultural familiarity to dysfunction and and crises and so um i'm i'm really intrigued to see how this plays itself out as we respond Mm. and try to lead people deeper into god's presence and his mission and um i guess the other thing Um, I've just been really reflecting on is this everybody has become an amateur statistician over the last kind of Mm. (laughs) six weeks and you know as we look at um, bell curves and flattening curves and all that sort of stuff we're into week four just the beginning of week four I think of lockdown and or lock in, as somebody in Ireland was calling it, which sounds slightly more appropriate for this island. But anyway, um, and um, he was saying about how this this whole whole idea of how do we um, how do we flatten this this curve more widely? But when you look at people's spiritual lives, um, and there was definitely this massive spike of anxiety and all this sort of stuff. There's a not that it's normal, but we're into week four. There's new rhythms, establishing all that sort of stuff. And I guess the question that I'm asking myself and our church community is this idea of will our will our faith um, and our relationship with God stand and thrive uh, through this for ourselves and for others? Or now we start to see things kind of um, become a bit more familiar. Do we just go to extra workout routines, an extra um, mm. time with the family and and hide and some of these these other k- kind of things and so it's interesting as later I feel like we're we're starting to see uh, it's it's nice the moment actually for us post easter to start to really dig into the mm. what's really going on in people's hearts and their spirits and and um or, or or will we just do what we do best sometimes in northern ireland of just kind of uh just get on with life as normal as we can in the midst of of some some mess and crisis you know
1: Mm. Mm. Love to hear your thoughts, Alan.
2: Yeah, similar. I think what Andy what Andy said there about um, we obviously lived through thirty years or whatever it was of the troubles, like most most intensely. And uh, you know, Andy and my uh, probably teen, teenage years, you know, early years and teenage years. Um, yeah, you know, all up until I'm I'm slightly older than Andy, so up until I was about like nineteen or 20, that was a sort of reality, you know bombs going off in cities you know my dad had a construction company you know so he um not like everybody that those kind of companies maybe did work for security forces and things like that so you know yeah you were like you you, you, you the, my dad was company was threatened and and that kind of stuff and you know you had to check under your mom's car every morning just to you know be sure that there was nothing there you didn't really even know what you were looking for but you were just told to, to look you know so it was that kind of familiarity with a with a, with the sort of system and culture but but familiar in a way that in some ways you you, you watch the news and knew it was bad but you it didn't really fully scare you because it became just a new new normal and then in our second half of life I suppose we've been living in and through the priest process but as Andy alluded to still a level of kind of crisis and dysfunction. So we have this kind of um, sort of mix here of the sort of Irish um, underdog, not taking ourselves too serious kind of culture alongside this kind of quite Protestant stoic kind of holding it together, defenders of the truth sort of thing. So this kind of mix um, in the north of Ireland. And I think um, that, that leaves us in a place where we, we, we kind of find a way to get through, but I think that we don't sometimes realize um, the crust over our hearts a little bit that um, Andy is kind of alluding to as well, that we, we need a personal renewal, something that, that the mercy of God really, and, you know, that penetrates our hearts a little bit to um, not just rely on, our, our we're from Ireland, we get we get through, but to genuinely lean into a moment where, the spirit is softening our hearts, you know, because I think one of the things that Andy and I have reflected on over the last few years has been when you come through crisis, there is a kind of legacy of trauma that you don't even realize you're carrying. And um, that leads to a number of different postures. And those are the postures that I think we are longing for to change in our lifetime in Ireland. And, um, And so we we find we we have said, What do you actually now that we live in a time of relative peace, how do we press on from that? Because if your only goal was just no more war, then Mm. once you get the peace there's a sense of oh, we've achieved that, but not really an imagination of the spirit to press on to see something happen for the generation coming behind us. So I think as Andy and I chat and pray together across churches and across networks of churches, I think our deep longing is that the spirit of God would give us the courage to lean into a place of fresh imagination to really believe what uh, the original destiny of this nation in in the eyes of heaven could could be and so we we're looking to try and see trust over suspicion you know I think there's still a suspicion laden in, in our kind of culture and so seeing trust seeing courage over just settling for safety and not the absence of war Seeing a kind mm. of an I think while we are a little bit behind, uh, or we see ourselves, or we're seen to be a little bit behind in a lot of our kind of our values, um, some some of those are the kind of basic Christian kind of biblical values, but I think our posture, or uh, the way they, the tone in which they have been articulated in the public square hasn't always been very helpful. So um, we, there's been a closed um, uh, defensive defender type kind of pure, it's a pure Protestant kind of. De- Protesting, kind of defender thing, you know, um, mm. of which the basic the basic rights or so the basic things that are being um, conversed are, are biblical and Christian, but the tone and posture hasn't really been the Jesus way, mm. and um, I suppose contending for some kind of public demonstration of kindness over just the kind of harshness of our rhetoric. You know, those are some of the things that I think we are finding ourselves, given our circumstances and given our history, as people Mm -hmm. who love the Lord and people of the spirit, you know, longing Mm -hmm. to see start to overflow into the public space and how we try to articulate a hopeful narrative for the nation in which we have, um, we've been blessed to be born into. Mm.
1: It's really fascinating because in a sense what you guys are articulating is probably different to uh, what people expect would happen of crisis who haven't known crisis. Mm. you know my experience in going to northern Ireland. there's these bizarre bits where you uh i remember going to the coffee shop in belfast is it establishment is that Establish. yeah. Yep. Yeah. and you know it could be in a melbourne coffee shop but then you see this sort of you know police uh van go by with sort of armor plating you know to stop bombs going off. you're like where am i you know so this <laughs> weird thing of normality but then mixed with dysfunction <laughs> and i think when COVID-19 happened, particularly in places like Australia and parts of the US, it was like, freak out, the crisis is here, like, everything's going to change, every person's going to have this awakening, we're going to see that, you know, that we're living these completely empty lives. And, you know, really, I think what you guys are saying that there's a reality that, you know, we look at some of the timescales of Mm COVID-19, where, you know, the Harvard study just came out, which is in the news right now that, you know, they're looking at, you basically quarantine until 2022 is mm. the latest, you know, sort of thing, you know, for two years. And, um, you know, what I'm hearing from you guys is that people become normalized to mm. crisis mm. and there's an element where we shut down. And, um, you know, almost too, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but my understanding too of Northern Ireland culture is that you can always go into your family, into your household to protect yourself from the outside world, um, sort of keep that closed thing. And I just wonder whether um that's a, a danger that happens in other places in the world the world outside is infectious and dangerous we're dealing with this new reality it becomes normal and i've felt that even a bit today i just noticed things look a bit more normal there's people have gotten <coughs> used to the thing there's people watching masterchef which is a you know cooking program I know has had its biggest ratings last night it's like everyone freaked out for four weeks mm. but now we're we're living with this so how how have you learned to lead as pastors in a culture where crisis has been normalized that and what can we learn from you guys going forward if this just becomes the new normal um for the next few years
3: it's a really interesting question because um uh, in one way like what we've lived and led through is just normal life Mm. for us so that's never felt deliberate uh Mm. that's you know this is probably the, the first time certainly in my 15 odd years of of ministry that I felt like I'm really thinking about leading through crisis, which tells you everything you need to know about Northern Ireland, Um, (laughs) you know? um, So um, having said that, and I guess some of these principles are are not unique to the moment, uh, certainly not unique to the church anyway, um, of an utter dependence upon the revelation of what the Lord says and what he sees so um, I've been doing this with our church for seven years of like our two most important prayers are God what do you say God what do you see and mm-hmm. being uh, led by that <laughs> as opposed to the, uh, the fear or the panic or the intensity of we have to do something um. Mm. Really. Um. Really. Just struck by the when this first happened, there was this um response, this pulse of responsiveness, which was really beautiful. Um. But in pastoring some people, it was very obvious that some of the activism was actually a way of dealing with their anxiety. Um. Mm. And rather than it being a, a spirit-inspired, led, imaginative, um, mm. power-filled response. Um, to to something, it was much more good as me. I'm I'm afraid I have to go now. Do things, and um. So so I I guess one of the things we're totally in the middle of right now. Um and and some of what I guess Al and I have journeyed over the last kind of, geez, ten years of our friendship more intensely over the last five has very much been seeking together to try and discern what it is exactly that the Lord says and sees in this moment. Uh, not just in our churches or in our networks, but across uh, across this mm-hmm. island, uh, specifically across across Northern Ireland. And so, um, th- that that um, that impulse, I guess, that desire, those prayers of of really having to do some some hard work in prayer of discerning what it is exactly that the Lord is is saying and um, and is seeing, rather than just um, responding or reacting to what's going on around us. Um, there's been an awful lot of that that we've needed to do don't get me wrong in terms of delivering food and, and um, pharmacy deliveries and all that sort of stuff but i guess for me the bigger the bigger question that we're wrestling with right now is uh, lord what are you saying and what are you seeing over over our our communities uh, over this island and how do we how do we join in and partner with that and i guess what i've always noticed in that over the years is it's always different than what you'd really expect um it always feels it feels surprising Um, I mean, one of the things we did a few years ago, um, there was a, you probably remember it was on the news, our flag protests where they removed the union Mm -hmm. flag from Belfast City Hall. And um, I mean, the the country really uh, lost its mind for for a moment or two. And Alan and I and a couple other friends decided, well, why, why don't we just try and gather around City Hall, which is this kind of, real place of crisis and conflict at that moment and uh, we just kind of threw it out there a few friends of us on twitter and things like that and um just said right saturday morning nine o'clock we're going to gather around city hall to pray and it was just incredible how we'd probably can you remember over a thousand people showed up mm-hmm. um, wow. and uh, joined hands around the round the city hall to pray and there was one uh, catholic priest from from belfast who wrote a beautiful reflection on it as he stood with uh, a a methodist minister maybe on his right hand side and somebody else from another tradition on his left hand side and they held hands and they prayed for peace and mm-hmm. i guess it was one of those moments where we really felt like um holy spirit inspired response that uh captured kind of the the hearts of people in a moment that said something really i mean it was uh, my uncle who was living and working in london at the time text me that morning um because he watched it on Sky News as it was national news mm. that, that followers of Jesus would gather around this like place that was known at that moment for cultural crises and strife that actually became a big hope and prayer, you know. So, um, mm. I guess that's our that's our big thing anyway. At the minute, is just trying to really discern from the Lord what what exactly should we be doing and how should we responding rather than just kind of mm. um, getting sort of swept up in the moment, you know.
2: Yeah, I think that Mm. just off the back of that, I think that one of the things that, in terms of how we lead through crisis, that I have tried to learn, and as I reflect on what you're kind of trying to do, almost instinctively, as you try to discern the Lord, as Andy said, is when you're when you're leading through crisis, I suppose you're trying to discern, and I think what the Lord gives us wisdom in is helping to provide um, language for what's missing in our uh, in the kingdom narrative. Of how we're trying to get through this so for example in the crisis of the troubles for, for all the talk of peace and for all the you know lack of maybe genuine reconciliation that still exists what's still very much missing here is a uh, language of forgiveness for example in the public square that's mm-hmm. just not really still nobody really has said sorry you know just just even those three words i am sorry you know so so I think as we lead through crisis, trying to help people realize that this may feel familiar, but we're lacking something of the narrative of the kingdom. If we truly want to see an inbreaking of God's presence and renewal and what that would look like in our land. So I think it would be interesting maybe as we, cause we, we are the see. you know, we're just starting to say to our, even our church and our our teams, you know, they've done a great job reacting over the last four weeks. How do we start um, getting into a mindset of three to six months at least potentially, longer of how we lead through this and i think maybe one of the one of the questions that might be interesting to ask is for for all the great stuff that in that this is allowing us to be refined in what is what is also missing and how do we also stay true to the prophetic presence of jesus amongst the broken and the dying you know um as well as in in our in our churches and what he's what he's refining so I, i wonder if it's something which maybe kind of transitions it slightly and uh, looking even further back mark into our ancient sort of history which is you know the mm-hmm. thing that always fascinates me about Patrick is he he came into what felt like a normal culture which was pretty barbaric you know here in Ireland all those years ago and he brought a living alternative and rather than some mm-hmm. I think Ireland was the only European country that wasn't um kind of Christianized by sort of Roman might and and so there wasn't like the, that kind of bloodshed or in, in that regard or 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 forced kind of colonial christianity it was um it was a living an alternative embodied in a person you know under the anointing of the spirit to start to bring renewal and i guess you know i guess as we lead through crisis into this next season of era of time where everything's going to be different i think asking ourselves how does this story interact overlap how does it get penetrated by the story of the bible and the scriptures and the discernment of the spirit in these times um and what what what's 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 missing in some of our narratives that we need to start um speaking in prophetically to help shape a worldview that um Mm. that that looks something like the kingdom of god
1: Yeah, I. it was interesting because when this sort of all kicked off, it was around St. Patrick's Day and I was really struck um, how, in a sense, you know, Ireland at that time, there was this network of the Roman Empire mm. and it was like the global connected, you know, there was the Roman road and, you know, the Roman army meant you could travel and all of a sudden that fell in the Dark Ages and then God does something on the periphery in Ireland and I really mm. feel that at the moment that I think that, you know, we had all these global capitals, London, New York, you know, and they've been actually the hardest hit, a lot of these places, and it's shut, um, you know, parts of the world down, and I, on St. Patrick's Day, i picked off my shelf uh, this copy mm. of Recovering the Past, Celtic and Roman Mission by John Finney about the the Celtic church, and I was thinking about that, like, in a sense, we all are like that a bit now, we've mm. gone into our little Hermit, <laughs> little, you know, homes. And um, there's just this interesting quote where he says this uh, on page six. Speaking of the Celtic, ancient Irish Christians, their spirituality was that of those on the edge. They were mm. groupings of Christians clinging onto faith at the edge of the known world. Mm. It is a spirituality and theology of the insecure. And we know that sounds different from that produced by the successful. Mm. And for me, there was just something... Absolutely fascinating and it awoken my the spirit like awokened my imagination there because I feel like what was happening in that response is everyone was like, people are getting insecure and anxious. And how do we as the church stop that insecurity and anxiety? But I'd love you guys to speak into the fact of you know the Celtic church, in a sense, embraced that insecurity on the edge of Europe. Mm. Um, and how is that, yeah, how is that a a rich source of new creativity the spirit could bring?
3: The, the 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 last sentence or the final sentence of that quote uh mark i think john finney says something about it was a faith of those who knew less of happiness and more of suffering in life or knew more of suffering and less of happiness um, mm. and um I, I think again it's this this idea of what is your faith for or what does your faith do maybe is a better way of, of asking that question um of the the shaking out of religious ritual or practice, even for those, um, think I love what you said a few weeks ago about the the, the your own reflection of um, being caught in a posture of chaplaincy, um, to mm. a, a you know a culture of consumer Christians. Or, I can't remember. Sorry, butchered that completely, but um. Anyway, anyway, um,
1: I was pretty spot on. um,
3: So, so, so there is this this idea of when you when you lead, and if you you read the early uh, Celtic Church, like they were so dependent upon the creative, imaginative working of the Holy Spirit in them, as they really redefined what entire church structures looked like and uh, what, uh, what ecclesiology was and how it functioned and related to societies and the broken and the lost. And, um, and what was amazing of that is that that came completely out of a um, place of desperate need for the Holy Spirit to inspire new ways of doing things as they went, well, this doesn't, you know, the Roman form of mission doesn't really work because the country doesn't look like what Rome looks like. And so we've got to find a new way of embracing the parts of the culture that God's already kind of redeeming and then speak prophetically in the challenging or I thought it was really well put out of finding new narrative or new words and language Mm -hmm. to describe the parts of the kingdom that are that are missing and uh, being so, uh, I guess, being um, saturated in the scriptures and in the presence of Jesus. But full of courage and faith to set down old um, structures or uh, methods, paradigms that that no longer serve us is really what was so prophetic. I think about uh, Patrick and Declan and
2: mm-hmm.
3: Colin Balance, those guys who they, they just went, well, you know, we we got to find a way that this thing will work, mm-hmm. and rather than being, you know addicted to or stuck to uh that well this is who we are because we do it this way it was much more case of well how how do we help this culture meet jesus and learn to live in the presence of his kingdom here now and how does that express Mm. itself in Mm. in all sorts of ways and so i i think i find that really challenging even have done for years i've read about our history here in this island of you know been super super careful that like you know our church is 8 years old so you know we've already got um traditions that you know I'm not sure <laughs> overly overly helpful It just flows straight out of where we were when we began so um I guess it's having been willing to put the the non essentials constantly on uh well to set them down and and be be uh, led by the holy spirit and how do we what does this look like moving forward how do we do mission together how do we uh, reach out to the poor and the broken, not just with food deliveries, but with something for their souls. You know, and mm. um, mm. what does that what does that look like? Um, you know,
2: yeah. And I think one of the other things about the, the the Celtic thing that's inspiring is, you know, you had this idea that apparently the Irish were um, concerned by the lack of actual kind of red martyrs, as they called. You know, and so the the um, how, how we traditionally understand martyrdom, and so the the, the what's become known as a kind of green, green martyrs developed where um, they would have you know, uh, let go of their possessions in this life and went and uh, give themselves their life of study and prayer, reflection and contemplation. And, and they're not, uh, but I think what they say is that unlike the kind of, you know, sort of, uh, uh, early church fathers who went to the deserts you know i think the irish were a little too 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 much socialites and too gregarious to kind of stay there so they became social hubs That then became sending centers and so the white martyrs kind of developed out of that which was this idea of getting into boats and just being blown by the spirit and wherever you ended up you, you kind of preach the gospel and and hence you know lots of europe being um evangelize with the gospel and and, and so I was th- thinking about that again last night as I was just reflecting a little bit and thinking about how maybe the spirit has been preparing us a little bit for this moment because um for those of us like Andy and I who are for the most part of our lives, our second half of life anyway, been brought up in kind of charismatic circles and very much longing for the things of the spirit um to break into our churches and into our land. I think we've also been um hungry and discerning and trying to lead our people into contemplative kind of practices trying to develop a disciplined practice based spirituality that really forms and reforms us um, into people that can uh, really steward the spirit well um, and in a life that looks like Jesus and reflects the fruit of the spirit and so I do think uh, that there was something about that ancient Irish kind of anointing in our land that was able to um, bring together the contemplative tradition um, and the charismatic tradition even though they weren't maybe defined at that at that time but I do I do think there's something about that and so um, it, there, you know when I look back over the last two years at things that we've been preaching in church it's very much been a practice-based spirituality and trying to learn from the tradition of the church and that alongside um, do it again kind of revival theme so and now we find ourselves in this space where I'm going, oh, wow, nothing could ever have prepared us for this crisis now that we're now living through. And yet, could you, Holy Spirit, have been preparing us for this? Um, yeah. And we're just in another level of hiddenness beyond what we could have imagined. But it does feel like the Spirit is, is speaking to us within within that regard and i know that's been something i'm part of the 24 7 prayer movement as you know mark and that's been something over the years that we've been kind of resting with is how do we um become the new wine skins for like we've been talking about this for you know a number of years and obviously for many years because it's in the bible but i think that idea of there's got to be new models and new ways and new paradigms and new wineskins for new wine and none of us would ever have thought that in the short term at least this would be this would be the the wineskins so um i i love the idea of you know i think it's steve addison in his in his movements book talks about you know it's just a couple of sentences he says the celtic missionary movement was not a highly organized or centrally controlled operation under patrick influence wave after wave of irish youth flooded into monastic life most monasteries became Began in remote places where their founders withdrew from the world, only to be pursued by throngs of young men who were eager to follow their example. And that just that line of wave after wave of of Irish youth flooding in to these places to be formed and reformed. It kind of just uh, it really moves my spirit. You know what the thought of something like that happening again, like wave after wave of young people in Ireland flooding into places of prayer formation spirituality all with the um all with the uh the end goal of obviously a familiar friendship with jesus but one that thrusts them back out into the world and into the nations and i think that's what that's what our deep longing is and cry for our, for our nation again is that we would we would be we, we still do but just at another kind of at that sort of you know exponential almost level or disproportionate level if you like you know that would be it would be sent mm. to people, to the nations, all over again.
1: Mm. And that's such a, I think, a fascinating insight that, in a sense, the Church, the Roman Church, lost that ability to control. And I think yeah. I'm coming to the realization that early on, you know, as we respond to this virus, like it's like, okay, how do we control this thing? We have got a response. We'll do this, I and mean, there's stuff we needed to do. But I think more and more, I'm realizing, um, you know, we we're talking to a friend in Vancouver yesterday, and she was just explaining how. You know, in a sense, there's this space that's opened up because you can't control things mm. like you used to as a pastor. Mm. There's just a bunch of people I don't have an eye over at the moment and I've lost control of oversight, but now mm. it becomes more about inspiration. And mm. I think that opens up a space. It's like we had the ball, but now the ball's out there in mm. our people. And in a sense, their self-leadership that people are stepping into. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been so inspiring. And um, I just want to thank you guys so much for this time. And I think the big takeaways for me is that sometimes, you know, crisis can become normalized. And I think for the people listening, I think that may happen. You know, if we're looking at 12 months, six months, two years, there's an element. This will become the new normal. But how do we look for the invitations? And I think in in the message, particularly of Patrick and Columba and these early uh, Celtic missionaries, in a sense, they reseeded a new culture through first mm-hmm. pursuing prayer and mission. Mm-hmm. And you know, my understanding of too is that you know places like Bangor grew out of 24 seven prayer, and mm-hmm. and you know Irish cities grew out of just often one person praying um so many blessings on you guys thanks so much for joining us today on rebuilders and um you know may it happen again may Mm. ireland Mm. not just be renewed but actually seed Mm. a movement again um Mm. you know across the world in that moment uh thanks so much bless Bless you pal
2: bless you
0: a big thank you to alan and andrew for chatting with mark today What a genuine and honest reflection of what it's like to live and lead through crisis. And we pray that there is some rich stuff in there that you can reflect on and adopt for your own ministries. If you want to know more about Alan, head to Emmanuel Church website. Or if you want to know more about Andrew and his ministry, you can head to Lagan Valley Vineyard Church website, both in Northern Ireland. Encourage you guys to take the time to pray for both Alan and Andrew and their respective ministries and what's happening in Northern Ireland. But most of all, I think something that I was struck by listening back is that these guys are leaders who genuinely seek to extend the heart and mission of Jesus. And that is something before anything else that we can all seek to do. See you next time.